Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance Podcast. My name is Bree, and I am joined by a love-inspired author, just fantastic, one of my favorite people to talk to, author Heidi McCann is back. Heidi, thank you for joining me again today. I'm so happy you're here. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that wonderful introduction, Bree. It's a delight to chat with you again. Well, the last time, the last time you were here, the episode came out in November. So catch me up. Like, how were the holidays? How was your transition into the new year? Like, how has life been for you? I feel as though I blinked and it's June, which is different than how we lived during that certain terrible time that we endured <laughs> recently when time just dragged. Yes, yes. So holidays were good. We stayed home here in North Carolina. We were just, I forget if air travel seemed expensive. I can't remember. There was a reason why we chose to stay home. So it was quiet and relaxing. And then I was writing, writing, writing. I had some first quarter deadlines that I had to meet for Love Inspired. And then I got this wild idea that I wanted to launch a digital course to teach others how to use dictation to write their novels. And I didn't realize what an undertaking that would be. So I'm glad I did it and I'll do it again. But that took me off the writing track for a little while as I became an online instructor. And then here we are. I'm still writing my Home to Heart Space series. And then I've just started writing the first book in my next Love Inspired series. And it's time to promote One Southern Summer. So woo, there we go. You have a lot going on. Okay. So first up, tell us about the course. Like what was happening in life that you were like, I want to launch this course. And then like, tell, cause I mean, we hear, I see a lot of, in all kinds of spaces, writing spaces, like lifestyle and wellness spaces. Like people are always like, oh, I launched this course. So as someone that's actually done the thing, tell us kind of like what you learned from that experience of, of embarking on that endeavor. So I have been lurking in the Amy Porterfield universe for a long time. She is a marketing expert. Her podcast is called Online Marketing Made Easy, and she basically teaches people, all kinds of business people, to build your newsletter subscriber list over time and to give away something free. Like I have a free story, a novella, if you subscribe to mine. And then I have some writing related things if people are more interested in a freebie for writing. And then I have a quiz to see what kind of reader you are. So everybody wants to have a newsletter subscriber list so that if social media's algorithms aren't helping you find your ideal audience, you can use your newsletter because most people do check their email. So anyway, I've been lurking in Amy's universe for a long time, but she has started teaching people how to have online courses. And of course, she is 15 years in and she's made um, a whole career out of it. And so she is really good at convincing you that she can help you learn to do anything. And I did learn. She has a wonderful course about how to do an online course, but learning how to do the marketing side of teaching a course when you've been in the love-inspired Harlequin world where their marketing really carries you, you know, I'm I market my own books, but Love Inspired is a known brand with very loyal readers versus if you're trying to sell a digital product, people don't know you as as a writing instructor. So I'm sort of dipping my foot in a different pool. And my writing friends were my first customers, which is super sweet. So just learning to market a product that's not a book and then learning the technical side of creating creating a slide deck, learning to record yourself presenting on camera. It just it was a really steep learning curve. I'm glad I did it. And now I have the content created and I can launch the course again whenever I want to. So 
So are you going to continue with that course? Are you like building, building on it? Do you have any other ideas stirring? Like what's next now that you've done this one? Well, I wanted to do dictation because dictating, so that means speaking the words for my story into an app on my phone, and then the app uses AI to transcribe the words into a written document that I can then edit. That process is what makes it possible for me to write more than one book a year. And then it also helps you be a little bit of a healthier writer because it could take me all day to type 1800 words. That mean that would be a full work day of writing for me. I could speak 1800 words into my phone in, I don't know, anywhere from eight to 17 minutes. Like it's pretty fast. Now it's a rough, rough draft. So anyway, I feel like it's something that has really changed my life and I want to help other writers. So for now, I'm just going to stick with dictation and try to make the course better and try to find my ideal customer. I'm not ready to try a whole new second course. So they recommend that you launch your course three to four times and then decide what you want to do next. So I don't know. I can't commit to four launches. That sounds overwhelming. And I need to be careful. I need the most important thing for me to do is to write my next book. So it was an ambitious goal. I'm glad I went for it, but I had no idea. It sounds like one of those uh, adventures where you definitely learn a lot about yourself. (laughs) Yes. Yes, you do. And like I said, it was it was a different skill set learning to market a product that's not a book when I'm not a known entity in the writing instructor universe. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this June, I mean, you did mention one Southern summer. So how are you feeling in these like weeks leading up to its release? I'm still in the oh, my goodness, somebody pinch me phase because I have launched bit what I would call a big book, you know, a a trade length book before as an independently published author, but I've been doing the category romance books for five years now. So this is my first opportunity to have a book out that's um, closer to 100,000 words. So for readers, you know, it's well over 300 pages versus a category romance for me is about 212. So it has a third person point of view. So there's a, a grandmother, her granddaughter, and then an adult guy each have a point of view in the story. So I'm really excited. I've just sent out lots of advanced reader copies and Love Inspired is doing some marketing and reviews are coming in. So I'm excited, but I'm also terrified. Like, <laughs> oh no, it's going out there. People are going to read it. <laughs> Obviously, there's more, there's more writing that had to be done with this yes. one. Uh, and you, you, I mean, you've done it before, like you said. But I mean, it, this is like, like you said, the first time you've you've done it like in the traditional world. So the experience of, of crafting this book and now we're waiting for it to come out, like the writing process, did it feel much different? I mean, you guys write so much as is, as category writers. So when you're sitting down and writing a book that has more, you know, word count and page length. Do you real, does it feel different at all? Or is it like, well, I'm already used to like writing so many books a year anyway. It's just doing it all at one time. Does that make sense? Yes. And that's a great question, especially. So I think I started working on this book 
in 2016. I can't remember if we talked about this the last time we chatted, but I was falling asleep one night and I thought there was somebody by my bed, like somebody that's that's not my husband or my kids. And it was this character, Avery. And she seemed so real that I really thought she was beside my bed. And I was like, this is bonkers. Like this doesn't happen. You're go to sleep. And, and I was sort of like, I was just getting started with, I was in the process of writing and rewriting the firefighters twins, which was my very first love inspired book. It, it had been a contra- a contest entry. And so Shana Asaro, my editor, um, had helped me work through the process of getting it to the point where she could actually buy it. So I was like, you, to myself, I'm saying to this character, you are going to have to get in line, girl. And <laughs> I have a lot of other things to do. <laughs> yeah, like I am so far from being able to write a story like like whatever you're about. And so then I would try. And then I got the idea for the grandmother And I was like, okay, a grandmother and a daughter. All right. And so anyway, I would try to write the story as a straight romance. And it's really a women's fiction novel. And so that's a different dynamic. And then I would try to pitch the idea in person to editors at conferences. And they would just kind of look at me like, uh... That's nice. You can just see it in their eyes, like, no. And then, so then I'm like, see, it's a terrible idea. Avery, go away. And and then I would pick it back up again. The, the story just wouldn't leave me. And so eventually I asked Shana if she would read it. And she said, when I have time, I'll read your first few chapters. So a lot of time went by and then Love Inspired Trade became a thing and they offered me a contract. So then I had to do some rewriting because then I understood, hey, here's the concept that you sold to Love Inspired. So that provides the framework for what you're going to write. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Versus I now have all the puzzle pieces. They're a mess. They're all scattered all over the table. But before I had some pieces missing and I didn't know how to find them. But now we've we've identified this. It's going to be a Southern women's fiction novel. There's going to be three points of view. So that means less points of view from the guy. He's mm-hmm. still there. And then anyway, I could go on all day. But yes, it was very different. And, well, that's and I like, did- I mean, I'm like, keep going because that's exactly what I was thinking. I was wanting to, like, I was thinking of as you were talking about it. I'm like, your writer brain has to like shift gears, right? Like, yes. And I, I think there's just so there's something so special about women's fiction. I have a very close girlfriend that like that is her like heart and soul. And she's really the person that like made me fall in love with it. And I'm like, oh, it's so good. But like for you as a writer who is known for your romances, um, when you shift to women's fiction, like creatively, just can you talk about that? Because things have to change. The focus isn't on necessarily a romance. It's it's definitely there in most of the ones that I read. But um, I guess the journey itself is just so different. So for you as the writer, what does that look like? Yes. So this was my first time writing about a mom who was recently divorced and had a baby and a preschooler. I don't think I've done very many single moms in my love inspired category. So it was like, okay, well, what's her journey going to be like? She has to move back home to Alabama. She has to move in with her mom. She's back with her sisters. Well, in a women's fiction novel, readers really like those relationships. I mean, the grandmother is overbearing on purpose. That's part of the plot. And she's 
snarky and has no filter. And so that adds some lighthearted moments, but she's meddling in her family's life. So that creates some drama. But for example, I turned in one draft and my editor was like, this is great. I just really need you to add some scenes where Avery, the main character, is with her sisters and her mom because you don't have any. And I was like, oh yeah. I mean, they're there in the background, but she's like, so we need more scenes with this woman with her mom and her sisters and just working on redeveloping those relationships. And so that meant some of the scenes from Cole's, the guy, some of the scenes from Cole's point of view had to be pulled back a little bit to make room for more of the women's fiction angle. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's a process. And and we know like reading, when you read category, especially like uh, when you, especially Love Inspired, like those can be very, very character driven books. And so like when you're writing a women's fic, and especially when you are exploring the relationship between like mothers and daughters, for example, like the heroine and her mother, and then the heroine and her her daughter or her child, how are you, is the process of getting to know the characters very similar or is it different? So I am a student of Susan May Warren and Rachel Houks. Mm-hmm. They have um, something called Novel Academy. It's an online school for writers. And so they have taught us how to get to know our characters. And Susan May Warren has a book called The Story Equation, which is a great writing resource. And this information probably isn't unique to Susie and Rachel, but I'm going to give them credit because they are the people that taught me. But you really have to find, you know, that dark moment in your character's past and the lie that they believe. And because Avery is She's like a fictional, obviously she's fictional, but in in the story world, she is a, like an HGTV type star. So she's had a public failure in that her show is no longer going to exist and she's feeling judged by her audience and, and her marriage has fallen apart, which she did not anticipate. And so she's back home and Cole is going to become her love interest. He was her friend when they were young. So just take all of that together and you try to imagine what she's feeling. And the part about being judged by the audience, that is my own way of offering social commentary on what we say to one another on the internet. And that's myself included. I have for sure said things on social media coming from a place of wanting to have a conversation, but it actually devolves into you know, not a productive, meaningful mm-hmm. conversation. So I'm kind of offering some social commentary on maybe we shouldn't say the things that we say on social media to one another. And maybe we have no business commenting on a public figure's personal life. And we kind of feel like we do, you know what I mean? Like if yeah. you ever go and read some things that people say when a celebrity posts, even a even a very upbeat, and but you know, just commentary about their outfit or I don't know. There's people I'm, can be so mean. It's like yeah. stay away from the comment section if you are right. trying to have a good day. Right. So I hope I answered your question. But yes, the process is different. And category romance, you don't have a lot of time or page yeah. to mess around. You got to get right to it versus in a women's fiction novel. It does kind of meander a little bit, but you don't want to be boring. You still need tension and conflict and a reason to keep reading. So you said that Avery, you felt like someone was standing next to you. Yes. Did she come to you like fully formed? Like when she came to you, was the story there or was it like, okay, she's following me around now and it's slowly developing or was it just like, here's this person and this is her backstory. I got it. So she looked a lot like the lady who sings for Little Big Town. 
Kimberly Schlappman, the okay. lady with the curly blonde hair. That's what she looked like beside my bed now. Not that my imagination did not see Kimberly standing there, but if I can describe a person who is famous, who looks sort of like Avery in my imagination, that's who it was. And she came to me with a backstory that her husband had decided that he was a gay man and he wanted to disclose that. And he wanted to have a relationship with someone. In fact, the someone that he has a relationship with in this story is his best friend and their business partner. So, yeah, that's (laughs) and that's not a spoiler. That's in the prologue of the book. (laughs) So, So. okay, I want to talk about the summer. But like before we get there, I just can you use can you take this time? So our listeners know, I mean, I, I will make sure that this episode comes out before the book comes out or as it's coming out. But like, give us the elevator pitch. We've already talked a little bit about it. But just so people know what they're getting, what's the elevator pitch for the book? So I didn't write this, but it's on the back of the book and at the top of the product description if you shop online, (laughs) but it's something like this is her second chance summer if she's ready for it in this utterly charming, warm, irresistible Southern fiction small town novel. I've paraphrased that that a little bit. So um, I wanted to bring a little bit of awareness to human trafficking. So there is that element woven into the story because I was just walking one day and I was listening to a podcast about someone who was passionate about rescuing people who are victims of trafficking. And so I wanted to weave that in. So that's a little bit of a subplot, but mostly this is the story of Avery putting her life back together when her future is going to look nothing like she'd planned. And it is a second chance romance in the sense that when Cole and Avery were kids, they not kids, teenagers, they made a pledge that they would marry each other at 32 if they oh, were both single. That. And they were like, they wrote it on a napkin. And so the napkin is in the story. And yeah. So. I hope somebody still has the napkin. I can't, I can't wait. <laughs> I love well. stuff. Okay. What is it about? Because I love a second chance summer vibe type of story. What do you think it is about that particular season that lends itself so well to that? That is a great question. My editor pitched the story to the to the larger Love Inspired team as this is a modern day Hope Floats. Not that the movie Hope Floats isn't modern, but it, it is now an older film. Yeah. And oh, so I love that she movie. was like, Yeah, me too. She's like, This has got Hope Floats vibes. And I was like, Oh, yeah, it does. So there is something, there's a reason why so many books start with somebody moving back home. And there's a reason why that somebody, the one that got away or an unrequited love or your older sibling's best friend. You know, we do a lot with that trope. And there's something about the nostalgia, I think, of either spending the summer at the beach or going back home. Summer just seems like for as short as it is, here we are at the front of summer and it just seems like there's so much possibility. Yeah. Right. Like we, I think we might, um, what's the word? I think we might make it more, more than it is right Mm -hmm. here. We are, we're recording on June 2nd. You know, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to do all these amazing things. And then I have to think, wait a minute, (laughs) it's only about 90 days till Labor Day. Like, let's be realistic. (laughs) It seems so, it seems so big. Like it seems so huge as a season, like, Oh, the summer, it's like this endless time, but it's like, realistically it starts in the end of June and (laughs) it's over in September, you know, but yeah, it still feels like the season. I feel like where there's just more possibilities than the others for some reason. Yes. And I think we all 
I mean, whether you have kids or not, summer still reminds you of the shift in the natural rhythm of life or when you were a kid. Yeah. Um, summers did seem longer then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even as a kid, I think I remember you couldn't wait to go on summer vacation. And then like a month into it, you're like, okay, this is kind of boring. <laughs> kind of ready to go back to school and see my friends. It just mm-hmm. felt really long. I'm sure my yes. kids are like, girl, you're crazy. <laughs> just stay at home all this time. Right. My, so I have things you, have but you have like a, you have a college student, right? I do. Yes. So this is summer vacation. Like how is, how is this rhythm of life for you at right now? Like having your oldest baby at home and how does this feel for you? I'm glad to have him home. And when he's, he's three hours away when he's in college and it was really, really tough mm-hmm. to let him go, even though I mean, he was ready and it was time and he did great, especially coming out of the pandemic when we had such a weird stay at home season, you know, half, half of high school he spent at home basically. So it's been nice to have him home. He's got an internship and, you know, it's just great. And That's his brothers so cool. enjoy having him and he seems happy to be here. We went to the pediatrician yesterday who has older children and he basically gave me the enjoy every minute talk because pretty soon they won't come home. In the summer, I was like, bite your tongue. That's not true. And he's like, yes, it is. Yes, it is true. (laughs) I am going, I am in like the full throes with my oldest too of like, I have two middle schoolers and Mm. one minute they worship the ground that I walk on and then it'll be hours later and I'm like, nobody's come to see me and hang out. You know, they're just like doing their own thing. And I'm like, I'm just not ready. Luckily, I have a seven-year-old who's still like, you know, mom is God and I just want to love on her all the time. But I'm like, with my oldest too, it's like, oh man, they really are growing up and I'm not ready. (laughs) I'm not ready. It's tough. Teenagers are mostly fun. I would take a teenager over those early years of the diapers and the formula and the pull-ups and the yada, yada. Those are tough years, you know? Yeah. So it is nice when you can see them becoming the people that they're meant to be, but it's it's hard too because it comes up so fast. It comes so fast. I know. I know. Well, I, you know, love your newsletter. And in one of your recent newsletters, you were talking about what you had been reading. So first I have to ask, how do you find the time to read for for that busy mom out there or just like that busy woman? How do they find the time to incorporate reading into their life? Like, how do you do it? Oh my goodness, that's a great question. Well, I don't watch very much television, not because... I don't approve of it or anything, but I have a sports fan in my house and he loves to watch almost any sporting event on TV. So in the evenings, he has the television and he's got something on and he likes for somebody to watch with him. So sometimes I do sit there and read a book, but um, if I'm not, I like sports, but I don't like to watch everything. So I don't have a show or a series that I'm really into and I haven't for a while. I wish I did. I wish somebody would tell me, here, watch every episode of name of show here. But um, I also, I've had a NetGalley account for a long time, which for people who don't know, that's where you can download. If the publisher gives you permission, you can download an advanced copy and send it to your Kindle and read it. So I, I have access to those. And so then I feel like I should follow through on my end of the deal and read it and post a review. So sometimes I read out of obligation to be perfectly honest, but those times are rare because I usually don't ask for a book that I'm not excited about. So I do read in the morning when I'm eating my breakfast instead of looking at social media 
And that, oh, that is such a good one. Because I discovered that I was getting really anxious in the morning. And I, I'm a little bit of an anxious person, but it was getting noticeably more so. And I think the sensory input of scrolling first thing in the morning was just a little too much for my brain. So I don't, I spend plenty of time on social media, but I don't start my day with it. So that is a good one. Yeah. I I, I don't think people realize like starting your day off that way. And especially like you said, like if you notice you're becoming more and more anxious, that probably has a lot to do with it. Yeah, I was getting a stomach ache in the car driving my son to school, and he wasn't the source of that. Like, it was not an anxious car ride. And um, I was like, huh, that's that's not great. So uh, sometimes I still make a mistake and just sort of like a robot hit hit a social media icon on my phone. And I'm like, wait, nope, we're not starting the day with this. This is for later. And so I always have I always have an ebook I want to read, a paperback I want to read, and then I do listen to audio. So Laura Tremaine, she is an author and a podcaster, and she recommends just setting your timer for a few minutes. She recommends 20, but some people might find 20 to be overwhelming. But just set a timer for a few minutes and start reading. And after a while, you'll realize that you'll want to keep going past the time that you have set. So I thought that was a great tip. So I try to share that as there's just ways in the car. I listen to an audiobook or a podcast instead of, um, you know, just a random radio station or something. So, yeah. and I'm a fast reader. It's kind of part of my job, you know, <laughs> like, to be honest, all the, all the brilliant writers say you have to read voraciously. And I have really taken that advice to heart because it is something that I can control. There's a lot in the publishing industry you cannot control, but you can control how much you read and you can control how many words you produce. So if you had to describe like your current reading era, what are you gravitating towards the most, do you feel like? Like, what would it be? So to be perfectly honest, I want to write a dual timeline novel. So not a time travel novel, but a novel that has two different timelines in it. And I want that to be the next book that I sell to Love Inspired. And I've struck out twice (laughs) two of my ideas. Well, one was a contemporary idea that just, they were like, you're close, but not quite close enough. We don't think we can take this book to market. That was just a contemporary women's fiction novel. And so the next time I tried a dual timeline idea and my editor was like, nope, sorry, but please try again. So I'm really, really reading dual timelines. So that would be like uh, Fiona Davis, um, Marie Benedict, Susan Meissner, Lisa Wingate, Patty Callahan Henry, like the big heavy hitters have written some great dual timelines. So I'm reading more historical combined with contemporary than I have read before. I love romance, of course. This time of year, my auto, my auto buy authors are releasing. So that's Ellen Hildebrand. Um, Meg Mitchell Moore. Gosh, who else? There are so many great books coming out in June. Christy Woodson Harvey. Hers is a July release. Um, oh, yeah. She's, I, all, she's always got a, a big one that comes out around this time of year. Yes. Rachel Houck, my mentor, she has a book uh, releasing the same day as me, The Best Summer of Their Lives. I'm super excited about that one. Um, yeah, I could talk to you all day about that, too. <laughs> <laughs> so for as an Ellen Hildebrand noob a newbie like where should I start with her like what's one of her titles that you're like try this one because she has like an entire shelf at my Barnes and Noble and I'm like I don't know which one boy that is a tough that's a tough one I think I started with the Blue Bistro which ended up being not 
one of my favorites. Okay. So I, I would not start there. I think I would go with last summer's release, The Hotel Nantucket. It's really good. Okay. And if you if you like audio, she has used the same narrator. Erin uh, Barnett, I think is her name, or might be Erin Bennett. But the narrator is good. But if you have the time and the attention and you're willing to invest, she has a series that she set in the islands like uh, St. John. And Winter in Paradise is one of the titles. I'm blanking on the others, but it's a family saga. It's really good, but it'll get you. I mean, you won't be able to stop. And so that's a that's a three-book commitment right there. But if you just want to go single title, Hotel Nantucket is her last summer's release. And then Five Star Weekend, I think, comes out soon. Yeah. So for all good. of these, like, auto-by-authors, like, if you had to try to narrow it down, like, what is it that all of them deliver for you? Oh my goodness, I wish I knew because then I would recreate it myself. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> yeah. readers love it. Let's see. I think it's the characters. The characters are well-developed. They seem like people you would know. They all have somebody usually has some kind of a secret that can't that can't get out, but you know it's going to. Nantucket as a setting has done really well for Ellen Hildebrand, but like I said, her other series set in the islands is fantastic as well. Lots of family drama. Mm-hmm. The hotel Nantucket has a ghost who's trying to not get revenge, but she's still in the ghost and she has a point of view in the story because, you know, she wants to right a wrong. So she kind of, she has the power to kind of manipulate things, but it's not enough to be really a paranormal type story, but that's a fascinating aspect of the book. Not everyone, not everyone can do that and do it well. So Um, what books did you bring to rec? Like, what did you want to share with us today? I am currently loving every minute of same time next summer. Okay. Annabelle, I'm going to say Monahan. I hope I am saying that properly. If I will it's make not, sure it's linked in the description, so it's yes. fine. Okay. Same time next summer. And if it's not out yet, it's going to be very soon. I am also loving Meg Mitchell Moore's new release, Summer Stage. And if I may plug a friend's book, Courtney Walsh has a book coming out very soon. I love Courtney. Oh, well, you do not want to miss The Happy Life of Isadora Bentley. Okay. And she is a very intelligent protagonist. She works in research at a university and she comes across an article, something along the lines of, you know, like 31 ways to be happy. And Isadora's like, that. That's ridiculous. That can't be. I'm going to prove that wrong. And then over time, she just, people that she encounters in her life realize that she needs to come out of her shell. You know, she's she's built this very protective little cocoon because she's been hurt before. But, you know, she, she thinks things that we all think, but sometimes they slip out. And she's socially awkward, but there's a romance and it, it's lovely. And I mean, Courtney nails it every single time, but this one, this one hits different as the kids say, but in the best possible way. It's really good. So she kind of embarks on this list to prove it wrong. And then yes. I'm assuming, oh, I love a good list. <laughs> so yes. Excited. It sounds so yes. good. And how often, well, sometimes in Harlequin, there's a handsome, hot professor that we, that we are all into, but it's not very often in the, it's not very often that there's a hot professor in a book. Do you know what I mean? We, like, we need more hot professors. Yes. Well, Courtney, <laughs> Courtney creates one. It's really good. He's great. So tell us, like, what's you? You said you were working on a new series for for Love Inspired. Like, what's coming up from you next in the world of category? So I realized that I work ahead 
of what the reading audience can purchase. That's just the way the industry works. It takes us nine or 10 months. No matter how fast we write, it takes about nine or 10 months for them to produce the book and get it to market. So what's coming up for me for readers next month, July, I'll have the fourth book in my Home to Hearts base series. It's called Her Alaskan Companion, but Love Inspired invited me to make it part of the Canine Companion series. So if people aren't familiar, there's this long ongoing continuity series where the book features a canine, Yes, but, but each title is standalone. I want to make that super clear because I think it can be confusing. I was confused because when they invited me, I was like, wait, this is a fourth book in a series. What are we doing? She's like, we're adding a dog. That's what we're doing. <laughs> like, but I didn't, I'm not writing a book with a therapy dog. Well, it doesn't have to be a therapy dog. She's like the dog that you have in the story. It's fine. Just go with it. I'm yes. just giving you the opportunity. It's a fantastic marketing opportunity. It's the book's do really well. But I don't I don't collaborate with any of my peers. Like each of us in the Canine Companions series writes the same book we were gonna write. There's just a book about a dog. <laughs> and the dog and it's in the series. <laughs> it is and they put canine companions on the front cover and it's a marketing bonanza. Then in February of twenty twenty four, the last book in my home to heart space series called A Baby in Alaska will be out. And then that will be the end of Home to Hearts Bay. But when I signed my contracts, the sixth book that I signed a contract for was a was a book that they were like, well, we'll get to that. It's probably going to be the beginning of a new series. So it was time for me to start writing that this year. So I, it's the first book in a new series. So it's going to be in a town in central Alaska. It's a fictional community where people come if they want to climb Denali or go to Denali National Park, the mountain. So it's a gold rush town, former gold rush town. So that's really all I can tell you. I'm just getting started. I'm on chapter four okay. <laughs> in terms of writing, but I have to turn it in in August. So I'm going to get cracking. Okay. Here. Okay. Yeah. It'll be here before you know it. We're, we're going to blink and it's going to be August. So right. <laughs> tell everybody like where they can keep up with you online and like, how do they subscribe to your newsletter, which I think is fantastic. Thank you for the wonderful newsletters that are delivered oh. into my inbox. Plug Thank you for stuff. saying that. You just, you never know, you know, you're taught, have a newsletter, have a newsletter, have a newsletter. And like, okay, well, what do I put in it? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always a work in progress. So people can find me at HeidiMcCann.com and there's a box on the right-hand sidebar where you can subscribe. And once subscriptions are confirmed, you'll receive a free novella. And I'm mostly on Instagram, HeidiMcCann.author. That's, that's the most fun for me in terms okay. of social media. Yeah. And where the bookish people are hanging out. I have dipped my toe in the TikTok pool, but I don't quite get it. And you know, it's kind of lost its razzle dazzle for me. Yeah. <laughs> so I enjoy consuming. I enjoy watching what people come up with yes. on TikTok. But as an author, I'm like, I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. And and it's always this question of like, how long is it actually gonna be here? You know, there's always talks of it going away. I don't know. I just it's fun to watch, but the effort, I just was like, I don't think I have what it takes to do this. Right. Same here. And I, I think I'm, I mean, I'm always looking for new readers. There's no such thing as too many readers, but I think my target audience is probably not there. So then I'm like, well, hmm. You know, as much a reader who, who was like, who has been on there trying to talk about the books that I love, I'm like, I don't really think my people are here either. So I love that you said that. <laughs> yes. I'm, 
I'm gonna not say her name properly, but the lady who writes A Court of Thorn and Roses, Sarah, Sarah Moss. Sarah J. Mass, yeah. Sarah J. Mass. Like that seems to be the target demographic right now. And not that other people's books can't take off too, but I'm I'm not I, I'm not selling what they're buying over there. Yeah, so. it's an interesting. <laughs> it's an interesting space. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm not making really any friends here. Like I was hoping, hoping I would. So it's fine. Well, thank you for chatting with me. I am so excited for one Southern summer and everything that's to come from you. And I'll keep an eye on those newsletters. And you have to come back. I mean, we can always catch up. So thank you I for this. I would love that. Thank you for having me. And congratulations on your new job. I heard thank on a you. recent episode that you get to be a teacher. Thank you. <laughs> Let me just say before you even get started, thank you for teaching sixth graders. The world needs more of you. 